Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon entitled, Reasons for Giving Thanks. During this time of year, we spend time reflecting on what we have to be thankful for. This sermon sheds light on some of the many reasons we have to be thankful as Christians. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We'd love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select contact us, and send us an email. Good morning, everybody. Oh, come on now. Good morning, everybody. Thank you very much. I, I am so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for this congregation. It's so great to see you. And, and you know, I'm convicted because this is the season of Thanksgiving. We're, we're headed into this traditional season, and I'm feeling convicted to say I'm thankful for you, and I know that I should say it at other times of the year. And uh, as, I, as I think about Thanksgiving and this season, I, I just think about, you know, sort of where we're headed. So just, just an informal poll. So how many of you are getting together with family and friends this week? Excellent, excellent. How many of you are going to eat turkey this week? Anybody eating any other main course besides turkey? Anybody want to volunteer it? I know that's raw vegan back there, so it's going to be all raw vegan main course. Anybody else? We had ham the last uh, day. So, how many of you get up to watch the Macy's Day Parade? All right. A um, little afternoon football game in the backyard. There you go. Wow, there are a lot of football players. All right. Well, we'll some of you will see you hobble into church next week because you've done something you haven't done in a long time. Um, you, you know, in this season of, of Thanksgiving, you know, as I said, I'm convicted that I'm saying I'm thankful for you, but it's obviously culturally relevant that we say we're, we're thankful. And oftentimes, you know, people want to look at the tradition of giving thanks to God at Thanksgiving, and everybody always goes back to Abraham Lincoln. In 1862, he made a declaration, a national declaration. He set aside the fourth Thursday in November as a day of giving thanks to God. But he wasn't the first president to do it. It actually, the first president to do it was the first president, George Washington. In the 1700s, he made a declaration, but he wasn't the first leader of the United States to do it. In fact, in 1777, the Continental Congress put out a proclamation of a day of thanksgiving. And to be honest with you, it's the most Christ-centered and Trinitarian of all that they did. But, but really... They weren't the first in America to make a day of Thanksgiving. If we go back to 1621, uh, when the pilgrims that we remember after a hard year, after a a summer where they planted, they harvested, and they gave thanks to God, and and that's what we, we think about at this season, but it didn't really start with them. In fact, think about this. You know, the pilgrims came to this country to escape religious persecution. They were devout followers of Jesus. They were students of the scripture. And and so they studied God's word and they were familiar that, that days of giving thanks to God went all the way back past the early church, thousands of years into the Old Testament. In fact, you can read about these festivals in the first five books of the Bible, in the Pentateuch, but, but maybe the one that's, that's most important for giving thanks is uh, the, the 
festival of tabernacles. It's, it's a fall festival after the harvest. In fact, if you have Jewish friends, uh, they, they just celebrated the festival of tabernacles several weeks ago. And it's one of those, those holidays, those festivals where you know, our Jewish ancestors and, and Jewish people today give thanks to God for the harvest, but they also give thanks to God for being with them as they wandered for 40 years in the desert and lived in tents instead of permanent houses. So, so that's where that goes back to. But, you know, I think we are challenged in this country to give thanks. You know, this season reminds us, it's a, it's a holiday that we've made, but, but we should be people who give thanks on a regular basis, particularly as followers of Jesus. But we sort of get caught up in, in a culture that, that seems to foster not gratitude, but ungratefulness. I, I, I think about a song by Montgomery Gentry, that, a country duo that, um, I, I just wanna read the lyrics to you because it sort of typifies what, where we are. They, they say, I have moments when I curse the rain, then complain when the sun's too hot, I look around at what everyone has and I forget about all I've got. Don't we do that? We forget about the blessings that we have. This morning, I wanna focus on being grateful, on, on giving thanks to God, not just because it's the season of Thanksgiving, but, but I want for us to instill in ourselves a mindset of giving thanks and gratitude to God on a regular basis. I, I want us to, to do that freely. And we're going to look at the Psalms. We're going to look at several verses from the Psalms. Truthfully, you could go through almost all the Psalms and you can find reasons to praise and thanks God. So I, I would encourage you to do that on your own. But there's four things that I think we need to focus on today about reasons for giving thanks. And here's the first one. We give thanks for answers to prayer. We give thanks for answers to prayer. In Psalm 118, it says this. The psalmist writes, I will give you thanks for you answered me and you have become my salvation. Yeah, yeah. You, let's be honest, though, about human nature. When it comes to remembering how God has answered prayers, we're pretty forgetful pretty fast yeah we forget I think that went through just think about the ways that, that God has answered your prayers some that maybe in the past that you've forgotten again going back to the ancient Israelites they they basically ordained these festival days not just the feast of tabernacles but other days when they would remember what God had done for them you know you, we think about the feast of tabernacles it happens in the fall Rosh Hashanah happens around Christmas time for that we recognize and it's a festival to remember how God had basically helped the Israelites regain control of the temple because uh, before Jesus came along the Greeks came in they took the temple they desecrated they made it a pagan temple and then they were able to get it back and they they purified it and consecrated it and that's what Hanukkah's uh, excuse me that's what yeah that's what uh, uh, Rosh Hashanah is about so it, it's just a powerful time to think about I said Christmas so I got those mixed up my apologies but the best festival of all is the festival of Passover now we associate that with Easter for Christians but the festival of Passover reminds 
us and it reminds the Israelites and it reminds uh, Jewish people today how God walked with them when they escaped slavery from the Egyptians. How God delivered them. Powerful story. If you go back to the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, you can see not only these festivals, but you can see specific instructions about how to remember what God had done, had done for them and to celebrate it. So, so that's powerful for us. God answered all their prayers. And God answers our prayers today. And he wants us to pray to him, and he wants us to remember him. So let me ask you this. Just think about your own life. Think about it for the past 10 and a half months. How has God answered your prayers? Maybe there's a broken relationship in your life that's been restored. Maybe you are searching for employment and God has provided you with employment. Uh, maybe uh, you've uh, had some financial struggles and God has carried you through that. Maybe there's been this thing or that thing or the other thing where God has worked in your life and you recognize it and you can praise God. Maybe God has delivered you from some physical pain or from an addiction or brought a prodigal child home to you. Those are all answered prayers. Now, I know that some of you are probably thinking, well, Clark, I'm glad for those people who have experienced answered prayers, but I know I've been praying for something for a long time, and I don't think God has answered it. Maybe you've grown a little bitter. Maybe, maybe you've actually even stopped praying that prayer. Allow me to challenge all of us for a moment. Would you agree to this? Would you agree that when it comes to praying for God, uh, taking our prayers to him, when we pray, most of the time, as we're asking God to intervene in something, in our minds, we know what the answer to the prayer looks like. Would you agree to that? Yeah. You, you, you know what you want to happen. Would you agree that God is knows better about what really needs to happen in our lives than we do? Yeah, yeah. So, so sometimes when we're praying and we're in our minds thinking about how we want God to answer it and when it doesn't get answered the way we want it, we say, God didn't answer my prayers, but God who is all-knowing and all-powerful and all-loving answers that prayer in the way that we need most. Now, sometimes that's hard because we had, we had set our hopes, we had set our sights on a specific answer in a specific way, in a specific time frame. And that's difficult for us to deal with. We need to recognize that our all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving God knows what's best for us. And so when we pray, yes, it's okay to think about what you expect the answer to, to look like, but it's also important that we keep the door open for God in his omniscience to answer it the way it needs to be answered. Don't stop praying. Don't give up. If you've given up on praying for something in your life today, if there's nothing else you hear, I want you to hear this. Continue to pray that prayer. Take it to the throne of God. Ask God in his omniscience, his all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving nature to answer that prayer. And be open 
for how God will answer that. Let me even challenge you to do something very specific this week because this week is is filled with all kinds of traditions. So I'm gonna encourage you to do something that shouldn't be done just on Thanksgiving Day, but I'm gonna encourage you to start it at least on Thanksgiving Day. I wanna encourage you to get up earlier than normal on Thanksgiving Day. And I want you to take a little time by yourself to sit and think about the past 12 months. Think about the prayers that you prayed. Think about how God has answered them. Think about how maybe God answered them in ways that you didn't expect. And then spend some time doing two things, thanking God for answering them and writing them down. Writing down the history of your prayers that you prayed and how God has answered them. There was a 10-year season in my life where I kept a prayer journal like that. I would write down what the prayer request was. I'm embarrassed to tell you that I don't do it anymore, so this is me talking to myself. Um, I would write down the prayer request, then I would leave a line or two blank so that I could write in when God answered the prayer. What a powerful testimony of what God has done. If you're on the internet today, uh, do a search of George Mueller. George Mueller opened orphanage. He was a Christian, and he prayed prayers, and he counted thousands of answered prayers. It's just a powerful story, and he wrote them all down. That was the, the powerful thing about it, because they ministered to people when they saw God had do that. What a testimony, parents, you would leave to your kids for they to see that, that journal of answered prayers, or to grandparents for your kids or grandkids to see that. Just a, an powerful testimony. So we give thanks to God for answered prayers. Here's the second thing we give thanks to God for. We give thanks for ongoing hope in the midst of despair. Sometimes that's just hard to admit. But we need to recognize that God's hope is eternal. It never runs out. So no matter how hard your life is, no matter how much you despair, you need to have hope in God. You know, life is hard. And on any given week, some hardship comes into our lives that we don't expect. But, but here's the truth. We are never alone. We are never alone. God has poured out his spirit into this world, into the lives of his sons and daughters. So the the God of the universe is present with us. Whether we acknowledge him or not, whether we accept that or not, whether we talk to him or not, he is there. He gives us hope in the midst of our despair. But, but maybe you've experienced something like these folks done. Ruth Harms Calkin, she wrote this. This is just a, an amazing sense of what was going on in her life at the time. She said, Lord, I'm drowning in a sea of perplexity. Waves of confusion crash over me. I am too weak to shout for help. Either quiet the waves or lift me above them. It's too late to learn to swim. You sometimes feel like that? Yeah. Life is overwhelming. When you feel like the waves are overwhelming you, you know, we have a safe harbor in Jesus. He is there for us. God sent his son to be our harbor, our safe harbor in the storm. And when I say that, I actually think about 
John Newton. If you know John Newton, if the name sounds familiar, he is the, uh, the person who wrote Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, that saved the wretch like me. Uh, his first career uh, was not a proud career. He, he was a sea captain and a slave trader. And when he came to Jesus, when he came to faith in Jesus, it radically changed his life. He got out of slave trading. He, he left being a sea captain. And, and you can just sense something about him when you realize that his experience is recorded in amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. He, he came face to face with his sin, with the sinfulness of what he was doing, trading human beings, and he came to faith in Christ, and when he left the ocean and the slave trading business, he became a preacher. And he's credited with, with writing many songs and having influences on other people along the way. But one of the songs that I ran across this week is a song that really tells you about his walk with Christ and how he went through times of despair, but he always found hope in Jesus. So I'm just going to read one verse. He writes, How tedious and tasteless the hour when Jesus no longer I see. Sweet prospects, sweet birds, and sweet flowers have long lost their sadness to me. The midsummer sh summer sun shines but dim. The fields strive in vain to look gay. But when I am happy in him, December's as pleasant as May. Do you hear his despair? But then do you hear his hope? He's saying, when I'm in Jesus, when I'm recognizing that I'm I'm the son of the most high God, which we all are, sons and daughters, when we come to faith in Christ. He's saying it can be the middle of winter, but it's summer when I recognize whose child I am. That's hope in the midst of despair. Now, not only did John Newton know uh, sorrow, King David also knew sorrow. He knew trials. He knew tribulations. If you ever read the, the Psalms that are attributed to David, you will see him go from the mountaintop highs to the valleys low. And you'll see him go through these struggles. We're going to look at some verses from Psalm 30 and listen to him coming out of despair. He says, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up, and you have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried out to you, and you healed me. O Lord, you brought my soul up from the grave. You have kept me alive, that I should not go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. David was giving thanks for his hope in the midst of despair. You, you read that psalm, he's not out of despair, but, but he's coming out of it, and he's seeing things, and it's giving him hope. Here's a truth, none of us can escape it. Life is hard. You and I will experience hardship in life. But God has promised us 
There is something better with him. So we need to have hope in whatever circumstances we're in. And we need to give thanks to God for that hope despite any despair that we experience. Here's the third reason that we need to give thanks to God. We give thanks because of the unsurpassed glory of God. That's sort of hard for us to grab hold of, the glory of God. So let me attempt to do so. Psalm 29, David writes this. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The fact is, glory is due God's name because of who God is. God is glorious and he, he shines his glory on the earth and on us. Ron Allen has written in a book entitled Praise, A Matter of Life and Breath. He writes this story. It's profound. So let me share it with you. He says, I was approached by an elderly gentleman who wished to have a word with me. He gave me his card and introduced himself as a veteran medical missionary to India. He said I, that he had established a medical mission in a region where progressive blindness in the population was rampant, where there were thousands upon thousands of people born with sight but they were doomed to blindness as they grew older. So he started this ministry, and it became a marvelous ministry because he, as an ophthalmologist, had developed a procedure to stop this terrible progression of blindness that ravaged the people of the region. And he said, he then told me that as people would leave the clinic knowing that they would be able to see for the rest of the life, they would no longer progressively glow blind, they wouldn't simply say thank you. And part of the reason they wouldn't say thank you was because in their dialect in that part of India, there was no word for thank you. But this is what they would say to this medical missionary. I will tell your name. I will tell your name. I will tell others of the glorious thing that you did for my eyes. Isn't that what David's saying? He says, ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. Do you share with others the, the, that God has given glory into your life by saving you, by giving you eternal life? Have you told people about the glorious things that God has done in your life because you have come to faith, that you've, you've Come to that place like John Newton where you realize that you once were a wretch, you were lost, but now you're found and you've experienced amazing grace and the glory of God has shone on you. I think about Romans 3.28. It says, for all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, the glory of God is God's standard for us. You know, in Scripture it says, be perfect like your Father in heaven. We know we can't be perfect. But the glory of God is revealed in his person and who he is. And he wants to shine that on us. I think about in the Old Testament. In, in the Old Testament, the glory of God uh, was recur referred to as Shekinah. Uh, and, and it meant light. And, and when people experienced God in a very personal way, like Moses on Mount Sinai, uh, he, he wasn't physically blinded, but it was clear that when he came down off the mountain that he had been in the presence of the glory of God. It had shown on him. He basically had a, 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 a sunburn from being in the glorious presence of God, and everybody saw it, and they were afraid. 
in that day and with the worship at the temple you, you know the priest would have to go into the center of the temple the holiest of holies where the presence of God the Shekinah glory was and it was something they did with awe and reverence and they sought to be completely pure to go into the presence of God in the holy of holies because they would be there next to where God resided on the earth I think of the the Shekinah glory when the Apostle Paul was on the road to Damascus. He wasn't an apostle that time. He wasn't a believer at that time. He wasn't known as Paul at that time. But he came face to face with the risen Jesus and the glory of Jesus as he came and physically appeared to Paul at that time, physically blinded him. He was blinded for several days until another follower of Jesus came and prayed over him. That's the glory of God, that that God wants to shine into our lives, that he's sent the Holy Spirit to to bring that glory into our lives. And so in the midst of our lives, we recognize that, that we need to give thanks and praise to God for his unsurpassed glory in our lives, that he's done so much. We may not experience the blinding light that Paul did or, or what Moses experienced on, the, on, the, on Mount Sinai, but we experience the glory of God through his Holy Spirit working in us, and we need to give him thanks. The fourth thing that we need to do in this season of thanks is to thank God for his involvement in what concerns us most. You know what concerns you most. You you know what's on your mind. You you know what you're thinking about and you're praying to God about that. David knew that too. And and in Psalm 7, we see this psalm that has an interesting preface to it. it. It says it was written by David in response to Cush from the tribe of Benjamin. And what does that mean? Well, Well, scholars tell us remind us actually that that Cush uh, who was a member of the tribe of Benjamin was uh, a cohort a follower of King Saul who was also of the tribe of Benjamin so Cush's allegiance was to Saul and he was accusing David of treasonous behavior to King Saul and so David says these words He praises God. He gives God thanks. He says, I will give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness. I will sing the praises of the name of the Lord most high. In other words, in the midst of a crisis on his life, in the midst of accusations that could bring him the death penalty, he's saying, God, I'm going to praise you for your righteousness. Part of the reason he's saying that is because he understood that his behavior was righteous, that he was doing what God wanted him to do, so he was being righteous. Something you need to know about David is is he understood this idea of having a culture of honor, and he was going to honor King Saul, who was the leader of Israel, even though David knew that when he was a young teenage boy, that the prophet Samuel had come and anointed him with oil to be the next king of Israel. But even knowing that, he didn't try to overthrow Saul. He didn't try to usurp him. He honored his position as the designated king of Israel, even though 
it had been taken away from him by the prophet of the Lord. He was a friend of Saul. He was a soldier in Saul's army. He respected him. He played his lyre for him. He cared for him. Even while, as each day went by in Saul's life, he became more angry and hateful of David, even trying to kill him on several occasions. He never lost his respect for God and for what God wanted him to do in honoring King Saul. You see, what mattered most to David was keeping the righteousness of God. And so he gives thanks for the righteousness of God. He thanks him for that, even in the midst of this attack on his person. So what matters the most to you in your life? I'm sure it's people. I'm sure it's places, maybe, or things. Thank God for the things that are most important in your life and what concern you the most. You know, these are all steps of how we can recognize that there's reasons to give thanks to God on a daily basis, not just one time during the year, not just at prescribed festivals, even national holidays. It's that we create an attitude of giving thanks to God. So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you this morning to begin to write down your prayers and then to give thanks to God when he answers those prayers. I want to challenge you to give God thanks for hope in the middle of hard times, in the midst of despair. I want to challenge you to thank God for his unsurpassed glory revealed in your life by, by saving you for eternity and by filling you with the Holy Spirit. And I want to challenge you to give thanks to God for his involvement in your life in the things that matter the most. So this morning, I, I want to bring this message to a close with a prayer of thanks. So if you would, would you bow your heads with me and and pray along with me. Father, as we, as we come here this morning, as we recognize that you have blessed us in so many ways, we want to give you thanks for how you've answered prayers. Maybe not as we personally saw they should be answered, but as according to your will that they should be answered. Thank you for that. Lord, we want to thank you and give you praise that you give us hope in the midst of despair. We want to thank you and give you praise for your unsurpassed glory and for pouring out that glory on us through your Holy Spirit. And we want to give you thanks for your involvement in, in the areas of our lives that matter the most. Lord, we thank you for salvation through faith in Jesus. We thank you for never leaving us or forsaking us. And we thank you for all that you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.